a Shishkin Productions podcast. What's up, Chris? No cold open because of the writer's strike, right? Right. What? <laughs> Hey, what's up, Sizzlers? Welcome to another episode Yo. of the Sizzle Real Podcast. We out here. What up? We're 140 <laughs> yep. in. 140 episodes into this fucking uh, this joke of a show. It's just so crazy. Yeah, we're still doing it. We're on our way to a million, uh, show by show. Yep. Only, whatever, 999,860 uh, to go or yeah, some shit like that. Pretty know. much, yeah. I think that's about right. I think that's actually spot on. Uh I'm uh, I'm stoked for 150. 150 is gonna be fucking big. Make sure you yeah. go to the Sizzle Reel Live 150 Extravaganza. It's gonna be yeah. I think you, details are gonna be on Sizzle Reel Gang the website.com, website. com, I think yeah. yes, that's where they'll be. Keeping keep it keep an eye out. Start refreshing that fucking page because you never know when they're gonna crop up. Yeah, um, yeah. Just put it in your bookmarks. You know, every time you open your browser, go straight there. See if there's anything new and improved. Yeah, keep browsing. Stay browsing. You know what I mean? If you're going to fucking just, <laughs> yeah. if you're going to even consider browsing, browse to Scissor Real Gang, the web, whatever the fuck the site is. Scissor Real Gang, ABB, the website. ABB, always be browsing. ABB. Um, Chris, uh, dude, what's up? what's up? How's it going? Before we get into the social plugs, I just want to know how you're feeling. This not even related to Scissor Real. You know, what's going on with you? Um, I'm feeling okay. I uh, had kind of a late night last night. And an early day, so I was uh, I was drinking for a while, and today I woke up at like twelve o'clock. Yeah, and that's, an, that's an that's an early day. <laughs> woke up at twelve o'clock yesterday. Yesterday <laughs> was early. Today's a late day. Oh uh, yeah, today today is one of those days. Peek behind the curtain. We're we're remote again. Um, we're yes. remote again. I just can't wait to get remote again. <laughs> um, Chris yeah, is, so Chris is doing the show in a robe. <laughs> I am. That's true. It, this is my this is my drinking coffee robe. Yeah, and I'm drinking like coffee. A, so I'm drinking coffee too. This is like a spa chat. Wow. You know what I mean? We got to start turning this show from a to like a spa show where like it's about relaxation and meditation. And then uh, I'm actually I completely support that. I think that's what post production professionals need. It would be great. We'd have to do less uh, research, which I love. <laughs> I was researching yeah, this. Less. On the, Could we possibly do less? I was researching this on the train on the way here, so that's why all my my writing is all fucked up. But uh, yeah, the rundown looks crazy today. Um, Chris, why yes. don't you give the social so, plugs and then we'll fucking get into it? Yeah, we're we're at Sizzreal Gang on Twitter and Instagram. And Instagram, Instagram. We are Sizzreal Gang at Gmail Send us an email. No one sends us emails. It's very sad. Uh, we get and some of spam. Course, we get some spam we, from time to time. And well, whatever. Uh, I've already mentioned the website, Gang, the website.com. Yes, that's a good and, one. Uh, and then, of course, we have this is a real cold line. Let's see how this works out yeah, remote. Yeah, that is 332 Call in, leave a message, text in. That's also doable. And, you know, this is new. This sizzle reel uh, cold line is is all new. Now you can call in or or text in with no fees. We used to bill all the fees back to your carrier. Now it's totally free. You don't have to dial nine to dial out of your local network or anything. Just call right in. This is a new technology. This is good stuff. Yeah, powered we're, by, we're powered actually by thinking AI. of we're thinking of hiring an operator. 
so that it yeah. doesn't go straight to voicemail. Well, we did for a second. But the operator, the operator just makes sure that that's who you're calling and then sends you to voicemail. You still don't talk to us. Right. Yes. We, we, we did hire one for a second just to be totally transparent, except we actually hired an elevator operator. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> the, contra- the contract stated that they needed to, that they were like locked in for at least three months. So we are, we are in the hole on that contract. Yeah. Another, another poor business decision yeah. brought to he's, you by the Sizzle Real podcast. He's, he's, he's actually sitting outside of the studio right now. It's just yeah. So there's funny. not even an elevator in the building. I know we fucked up. Um, Chris, what have you been up to this week? Oh, well this week, what did I do? Um, uh, I, I think MLS I think- is. I was going to say, kind I think we, of ending. We, we break the news that your weekly highlight shit that has been going on for however many years now is like four years. To an end. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm kind of lost right now. I feel like I don't have a purpose anymore. You know, I, I always had this early Monday morning to look forward to sometimes two early mornings in the same week. Um, this is yeah. something this is something I wanted to actually talk about today. Um so maybe we can just talk about it now and then whatever, we'll see how the show flows. But um, yeah, when you lose a client is what I want to talk about. Where in like, not in a bad way, just when like you've had a great relationship with a client and then like things just change that are out of everyone's control and it makes more sense for them to to do what they're doing and then it makes less sense for you to be involved or the project comes to an end pretty much when it comes to an amicable end and Mm -hmm. it's something that was very consistent and it's gone. I'm curious to know, you know, have you ever been in that situation before with, uh, with editing and like with projects and stuff like that? I mean, we've, we've kind of had that with complex where we used to have like a new complex project every single month. And, uh, you know, then they got bought by BuzzFeed and things changed a little bit. And that was just kind of a slow trickle from them. It's, you yeah. know, we get what we get every once in a while. Yeah. Um, and this is probably the biggest one that's happened, though, because, you know, like we've been doing these weekly highlight videos since 2019, at least. Um, and it's just been very consistent. Uh, it's something that we, we, we can rely on. Uh, we can bring in freelancers to work on the projects because they're pretty, pretty simple uh, as well. So it, it it allowed us to have a lot of flexibility. Um, you know, if I needed to to do it one one week, it was fine. Uh, if I was on a on a different project that I was seeing through to the finish, then we could bring someone in. Uh, and it's you know it's it's a big chunk of change that we've just kind of expected to have every year for the last few years. So having it go away, it's a little bit sad, but at the same time, like it totally makes sense on their end. They're just, so they're not going to another production company and they're just bringing it internal. So it's like, I can't even be offended because really that does make a lot more sense for them to just do it internally. hundred percent. I think that it like, you know, that, that those specific type of videos, it's like they're formulaic, they're weekly it should have been an internal position. You know what I mean? So the writing was on yeah, the wall, well, I think, for a while. Well, and, you know, we do, we've done similar stuff for NHL, doing some highlight packages for them. And I think for the most part, they do that internally as well. And they just come to us when when they're slammed for whatever reason and they just need a little bit of extra outside help, Yeah, um, which makes a little bit more sense. So, hey, maybe we'll st- still get stuff like that from MLS. I think we will. I- 
I think that the our relationship with them is still good, and we're still gonna. I think that actually this is better for us as a small company because like we can start to try to move up into doing like more some bigger things like more complicated things with more storytelling not you know and i love those little consistent things i really do i think they're amazing but yeah yeah it that's why it's just such a weird thing and i wanted to talk about it because it's like you know i think a lot of specifically freelancers go through a situation like this at some point in their career or every few years where like you have a client who is so consistent and the relationship is so good and everything's perfect and then like just you know time comes for us all right it like it it, it ends does. it ends and like how how do you you know fill in that missing money or that missing time or that missing creative outlet whatever it was for you um i think it's weird with this one it's a bummer because like consistency is always nice but yeah the positive in terms of like you know the, the let's put it in quotes human cost of it is like you now don't have to like be up at like seven or eight a.m. on Mondays and Tuesdays, which, and sometimes two a week, Mondays and Thursday. You know, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, sure, Friday, yeah. and you know, um, also holidays. We we kind of would have to do holidays yes. because there were games. So that there's a lot of positives in terms of like taking having time back, which is nice. Um, yeah, it's, I mean it's it's good timing too, honestly, because next week. I start a, a new project with Complex as a trailer, and those tend to be pretty intensive edits, and they're going to take a lot of my time. So just the fact that I'm not spending half my day on MLS next week while yeah. I'm traveling, working remote, it's, uh, you know, it's it works out pretty well. It, it um, happens, it, yeah, it happens frees, to work out. Me up to, I was going to say it happens to work out for this month. but you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and, you know, a little summer. We're already trying to not work on Fridays in summer, and this, this kind of yeah kicks it off, right? It's true. Um, what were you saying? I cut you off. You you were saying something. Uh, oh like man, you said it I don't freaks, know. Oh, freaks so me out or something like that. I don't know. I didn't hear what you said. What's up? It sounded like you were saying something like it freaks me out or something like that. I don't know. Or freeze me up. Oh what no. Were you saying freeze me up. Freaks me out. Oh yeah, it, yeah. It it frees me up to do more uh like creative projects and just like take on more in general. Cause you know, the great part is we, we signed a contract. So ultimately we're still going to get paid. Um, we're probably just going to shift the money around and take on different projects with them. But that, that's cool too. Cause that's a great opportunity to, you know, possibly work with different teams within MLS, um, yep. and, and just demonstrate our value across the board. Yeah. For me, it, it's a very lucky situation. And I think it's very lucky when, one, this is why contracts are important because, you know, if you didn't have like a year long contract and they just mm -hmm. they decided to recalibrate and switch directions, you could just be like, well, fuck, I was expecting, you know, this and now it's all yeah. gone. So luckily the contract still, you know, has us doing stuff for the next X amount of time. But sure. Um, it, it's it's great because we now have a few months pretty much to like recalibrate what we're doing and figure out okay how do we fill in that time how do we fill in those mondays and tuesdays with stuff you know yeah and um well and there there's a couple uh like potential large contracts coming up for us that if we do win those bids you and i are both going to be very busy and well we really wouldn't have time for for highlight videos we you know we'd we'd hire 
uh, a freelancer who's you know done it in the past. Yeah, but that's still ultimately money that we're saving. Yeah, I think that when like a client has doesn't need to rely on your services that much anymore. For me, it's all about. Uh, obviously, you have to go out and grind and try to find other shit. But like, yeah, a lot of the time, also, you just have to be available and like keep just just keep plugging away and eventually you know i don't know it's kind of how it works like you have a month where like randomly like four gigs will happen and you'll be like what the fuck or you'll have a month when nothing happens and that's just like the rhythm yeah of, of i mean it's just the labor. nature of being a freelancer but then it's a little bit different for us because you know we're we're a company but you know you, you still rely on gigs the same way that a freelancer does you just have more resources to take on more at once. Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't, that doesn't exclude you from ha having dry months like everyone else does. Yeah. And uh, my, I guess my closing statement on this is like, thank God for contracts. Like that's kind yes. of the only reason contracts are the only, like having good solid agreements that outline the deliverables and the outline, the, the scope, the scope of the work basically, but also the pay schedule. That's kind yes. of what has kept our, like, that's what's made this year kind of manageable for us. I feel like just from a, like a business perspective, you know? Yeah. And I mean, it seems like industry wide things are pretty slow right now. I mean, whether it's the impending recession we keep hearing about, whether it's the, the ongoing rider strike kind of shutting down production, it's uh, everyone's getting squeezed right now in our industry uh, yeah. So just the fact that we're able to kind of avoid a worst case scenario because of a contract is, you know, it, it's good business. Yeah. Um, well, that's a kind of a great segue into the couple things that we have here on on the rundown today, because they are about contract. Um, one of them is I'm going to start with this one because it's WGA related. I guess there was a conference going on in Austin called the ATX TV Festival. And uh, they had yes. a, a panel with some uh, writers there, and someone from Deadline spoke with a person named uh, Greg Ivinsky. Uh, and Greg Ivinsky has been a writer on Last Week Tonight with John Oliver and The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. So they posted this little interview with him on Deadline, whatever. I read it. I didn't think it was very, like, I thought it was just very normal. It, you know, it was like, why, are, why is it important that we're, like, you know, striking and and how do you feel about below the line workers who are you know vocal about losing jobs because they're not crossing the lines but you know they're also not wga they're different you know they're iatsi or they're you know teamsters or whatever um and you know he he i thought his responses were all very like just middle of the road very normal very non-confrontational yeah yeah not controversial at all yeah and then I went down to the comments and that's what I want to talk about is people were well, like, that's, that's where you, that's, that was your big mistake. Yeah, Never read the comments. That's where I fucked up. But, um, it's just funny cause uh, you know, I kind of want to know, you know, your, your opinion on this stuff. It's like, I don't know. People are saying that they're like, this guy says they're making the decision to strike while other people suffer. And like, they're hurting the people who are just making like hourly wages 
And then someone else was saying, I find it hypocritical that they're not hurting other workers, that they're hurting other workers who are more blue collar and are working paycheck to paycheck to support their families and pay bills. And like, you know, it's someone said, go pick at the corporate centers to make your voice heard. Um, I don't know. It's just it's interesting. I don't know. What do you do? You have any any ideas or opinions on it? I mean, it seems like crabs in a bucket mentality where it's like, well, you know, if this affects me, then I don't want you to get your dues either. It's it's very uh, I don't know. I, I thought there'd be a little bit more solidarity. And here's the thing. It's a comment section on deadline. What do you expect? Yeah, true. No, that's, um, good. that's a great point. I mean, yeah, there are a lot of people losing jobs or not not getting jobs right now because of the shutdown. But some of these comments are acting like these writers are all making insane money and they're just not like I think we've chronicled what it's like to be a, a working writer in Hollywood unless you are the best of the best. And for you, this is just kind of a forced vacation that you have plenty of money to get through. I mean, you're talking about probably under 100 writers who who are like that and and the rest of the 11,000 who are striking, you know, they, they're blue collar as well. I mean, just because I mean, I guess technically it's an, a no collar job, but it doesn't mean that they don't work hard like everyone else does and that they're not suffering too. like the, the only way for everyone to get. Uh, you know, equitable pay across the board is if everyone unites and like supports each other's uh, struggle. And, you know, th- this kind of infighting is exactly what what the the Hollywood producers are hoping for. You know, they they, they want to they, they want everyone to start cracking and fighting with each other. And eventually someone's going to fold and take a, a deal that's worse for them. Um yeah. I mean, that's why they're not even negotiating. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's and that's one of the things in this deadline article that the writer was talking about that they, they are not even respond. You know, they're they're not even trying to negotiate right now. Like, it's just an absolute standstill. And uh, uh, I think one of the things I, I, I saw in this interview that was interesting to me that I I was I was unaware of, um, it was saying that staffing minimums is one of the WGA's asks that has triggered a lot of discussions. Some believe that if someone, and I don't know who this person is, but some believe that if someone like Taylor Sheridan can write TV shows on their own, others should have the right to do so too. I think that's very interesting because it's like, I totally disagree with that. I don't, I don't, I think great. If you can write a TV show on your own, that's fucking amazing. But I am all for staffing minimums because that's crazy. If you can, if because that's such a slippery slope. If you allow one person to write their own TV show and do everything, f- like the entire job of a staff, of like a writing staff, then that becomes a, a trickle down. And suddenly, that one show becomes ten shows that do that, and then that becomes thirty shows that do that. And next thing you know, from like those thirty or fifty, you know, shows that normally would be hiring you know, whatever, 10 to 12 people per show, they're now hiring one. That's like, that's not sustainable, man. So I, I'm all for the, uh, you know, the staffing minimums. I, I, I mean, for me, I, th- I think you should be, you know, if if you're the creator and writer and you just want to do it on your own, I kind of think you should have the right to do that. But I still I think that you think... should have to staff up, though. You should still have to get a writer's room together. And if you're the showrunner and it's ultimately your fucking show, you're welcome to just like 
not take anyone's suggestions, but like, or or like like completely tear the shit up out of other people's scripts and make them rewrite, rewrite, and like hit the things, or just write your own if you want. But it, I think that like that's kind of the point of having a a union is like fighting for everyone's ability to like work on these things and giving people opportunities to work on stuff, you know? Um, yeah, I just, I mean, I think that it's not very realistic. I mean, yeah, I get the slippery slope and all, you know, all these places will, will try to just do one rider shows, but one rider shows nine, 99 out of a hundred aren't going to be good. Like yeah. there's a reason that writers rooms are effective because you need a lot of different voices to come up with with a good script that is going to, it's not going to have plot holes. It's going to have characters that people relate to or root for or whatever, love to hate. And if you're a single writer, you're going to get tunnel vision so quickly. Like you're, you, you're going to have to be one of the most gifted writers on earth to avoid all those conflicts. Uh, so I, I don't worry about the slippery slope too much. Uh, I don't, I don't know, but it's also different if it's like a network show or, you know, HBO, whatever, one of the big ones, I, I treat that differently than if it's like an indie project. I don't know if IFC channel still makes yeah, well, know, I think, their, their shows, but I mean, obviously I think like it's, it comes down to if it's um, union or, or non-union at the end of the day, like yeah. if it's a union show, then staff it up. If it's non or yeah, yeah. union production, whatever. But if it's, well, I agree with that. Like if the one writer is in the union, then it it's a union show as far as I'm concerned. And yeah, there should be staffing minimums. But if yeah. he's not or she's not, then I don't fucking care. Yeah. You know, people it's, people have the right to not be in the union. I just had never even heard of the idea of a one person show, which is like crazy to me because, you know, mini rooms, that's like already a whole thing. But then like to be like, oh, this one person just wants to do everything by themselves. And it's like, ah, oh, man, like. I get it. You want to fucking tell stories and this is a cool job yeah. and you want to do That's it. That's also very egotistical. Exactly. That's what I was about to say. It's like, I understand that like, this is a fun, cool thing for you. And you're like really motivated and passionate about telling a story and doing this stuff. But like, that's, a, it's, it's like, um, yeah, it's, it, you got to look out, you got to like kind of take into consideration the collective, you know, you can't just, you can't yeah. just kind of operate on your own. Um, there was a, uh, another thing in this talking about themed pickets and photos shared on social media and how those are receiving negative attention because members and supporters are having fun. Um, I thought that was really interesting. So people are like mad, not, not this is such a general statement, but apparently some people are yeah. upset that people are like, not like marching around angrily and disappointedly and that they're like actually trying to make it fun. I know they did like a. I think they did a Star Wars themed picket. Um, maybe that was for May the fourth, because like May the fourth, yeah. whatever. You know what they say. Yeah. But um, uh, I don't know. What do you What do you think about the fucking themed pickets? I mean, for me, like I, I think it's just a, a vocal minority who's mad at this, because yeah. uh, that's that's a stupid thing to be mad about. Like, yeah, it it might look like they're having fun, but they're just trying to make the best of a bad situation. And not only that, but something like a themed, like a Star Wars themed picket, that's great for for headlines for news that yeah. that keeps the discussion relevant to the general public when when you have images that are interesting and unique like that, like Darth Vader picketing. That's 
you know, that's newsworthy and it it just, it keeps it in the public eye. And I think that's super important. Um, you know, they're probably, they they can have fun at these events and make the best of it while still going home and not making any money or like scrounging around for barista jobs or whatever, you know, it, it doesn't hide the reality of it. It's just, it's just a way to cope with what's happening. And, yeah. you know, like, what what are you going to do? Go go pick it and just look sad and miserable the entire time and have a big old frown on your face. Yeah. Like that, that doesn't do any anyone any good as far as I'm concerned. I think you nailed it when you said it's a vocal minority, because that see, it seems to me like the majority of people like support the writers. And it's, it's interesting because yeah. it's like, you know, people aren't going to, you know, stop watching shows because that isn't that's just that's unrealistic but like i think if you asked any random person they would support the writers one thing that really took me by surprise is um i guess i should have known this but how much of a union town uh la is and like really really how oh yeah all of the businesses even like back the writers and back the strikers um if you i found this by going to that website wga contract 2023.org there's a section in there called support from local businesses. And I was like, Oh, what's this? And I clicked on it. There's like a ton, ton of businesses that give like very steep discounts or like free things to WGA people. Like right now during the strike, um, there's uh, apparel places, beauty, electronics, entertainment, fitness places, venues, uh, and a lot of restaurants. And it's kind of insane. The restaurants will do stuff like, um, you know, like like literally like free food, like the Bob's Big Boy, the one in Burbank. It's a free meal, yeah. free meal with that's, the WGA membership card for the duration of the strike. Like that's kind of crazy. Um, and then there's yeah, some, and th- some that are like, like smaller, 50 like different a, restaurants on here that are all offering something. Yeah, exactly. There's some small ones that are like free cookie on Saturdays, which is like, OK, but that's still yeah. cool because you're like trying to you know, do something, you know, but the ones that get me are yeah. the, the big ones that are like, literally there's multiple ones on here that are like free meal. Like there's a diner called swingers free. They, I, I, that's a classic like LA spot free meal for the duration of the strike. Like that's, that's so supportive and so amazing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there, there's like a, a, a free CrossFit membership for the duration of the strike with a WGA membership card. Uh, you know, free free admission to comedy clubs, stuff like that. So pretty much, I mean, if you if you take advantage of all this stuff, you might be having a good time on the picket line. <laughs> <laughs> for real, for real. You know what they need um, to but do? I mean, they that gotta, also only works if you're in LA. Yeah, they got to. Ex- well, I think the majority of it is right. They got to extend this yeah. stuff. They got I mean, to. Extend- yeah, but there's there's picket lines in New York. Yeah, it's true. Well, I guess we need more of that in New York. They need to extend these benefits to the people who have had their productions like shut down. So like the Teamsters and the IATSE people who are like in solidarity, there should be some way to prove that you like didn't go to set that day or you had like some job this week fall through because of the, the, the picketing. And then you can also Mm -hmm. get free food and stuff. Cause that's what it comes down to. The art, the argument is basically like, Hey, other blue collar people are getting hurt because of this too. And it's like, well, you know what? They're getting hurt every day because of the fucking inequality. They just don't realize. It. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they're living paycheck to paycheck 
I mean, that tells you all you need to hear right there is like maybe they need to be fighting for for their rights the same way that that the writers are. I mean, I know that's it's shitty to it's almost like victim blaming, but like that that's just not uh, it's not sustainable, you know, like if, if that's your industry and two weeks without work and you're you're on the streets. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's yeah. th- that inequality was already there. The writers exactly. aren't there. They're not the issue here. Agreed. hundred percent. Um, that kind of is a good segue into this DGA thing. So the director's guild, oh, I'm, I'm has very reached, disappointed by this. This is crazy, man. Yeah. They reached a tentative agreement. It said, uh, Saturday night. So it looks like DGA are, are back They're They're in. So they're not going to, you know, be out here striking. Uh, like I said, I think next week is when we find out or the week of this show, the week the show is out, we'll find out what happens with SAG. So we'll talk about that yeah. next week. But yeah, DGA reached an agreement. Uh, it includes gains in wages and benefits, including a 5% increase in the first year of the contract, 4% in the second year, three and a half percent in the third. Um, and I think the big highlight was basically that they earned all these increases in wages and benefits, but they decided not to uh, have as many uh, like streaming royalties or something like that. Is that right? Do you know? Well, I mean, it does say that that they're getting a substantial increase in the residuals for dramatic programs made for SVOD. Um, But that that's a very specific, you know, type of show. Yeah. so it, the result is a 76% increase in foreign residuals for the largest platforms. So that residuals for a one hour episode will now be roughly $90,000 for the first three exhibition years. So it sounds like they are getting some residuals, but maybe that wasn't a major uh, sticking point for them. But they're, they're also getting uh, an agreement that confirms AI, artificial intelligence, is not a person and that generative AI cannot replace the duties performed by members, which is, you know, it's kind of frustrating because that's one of the main things that the, the writers are striking over. And Here's, it, it he, does, you know, like I, I know that the Directors Guild, they don't technically owe the writers anything, but the fact that they're not showing solidarity because, you know, they're getting what they want when they're asking for basically the same things as the writers. Uh, it's, it's super disappointing to me. But here's the thing. If you're a director, wh- what are you going to direct if there's nothing being written? Exactly. And I think that is is a great, you know, way to kind of point out that there's maybe two different ways to look at it. And the first is like I had the same reaction. I think it's a really reactionary thing where you go, wait, they reached a deal like what the fuck? What happened to solidarity? And then if you kind of look at the deal a little closer, you know, it's like, oh, well, maybe this is actually kind of good that they're starting to establish this baseline that the writers can kind of like, you know, yeah. now the writers can say, oh, well, they achieved this AI thing. We just want the same thing DGA wants. Um, sure. And there's a deadline article that I think literally just dropped maybe while we were recording while recording this. But uh, it's mm-hmm. like an, it's an analysis of this DGA deal. And uh, I'm going to read a little bit from it. It says, Uh, The new DGA deal goes a long way towards achieving many of the gains sought by the WGA in terms of wages, foreign streaming residuals and artificial intelligence, adding pressure on the WGA to take the same deal on those issues in what's known as pattern bargaining. The DGA deal, however, does not address one of the WGA's core issues, staffing mandates for writers on episodic TV shows. So it's it's interesting. I don't really know what to make of that 
the way that's phrased. I think. To, it, I mean, it sounds like in a way the Directors Guild is setting a standard, uh, you know, that could be repeatable in, in other contracts across Hollywood. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. I mean, you can you can look at it one of two ways. You know, it's either uh, fuck them. They, they, they're not, you know, repping for our writers. They're taking whatever they can get. Yeah. But, yeah, at the same time, maybe they they do see this as progress for the writers uh, because they have probably a little bit more power than the writers guild and they can they can ask for these things and set a precedent. Um, I guess the kind of the the big kind of for me, the big thesis from this article, they say, so how far does the DGA deal move the needle uh, closer to what WGA is asking for? Uh, it says not close enough to end the strike, but close enough to warrant a return to the bargaining table using the DGA deal as a starting point. So sure, that's that's well, kind of uh, it, that's a, that's a, that's good. That's I think that's a good step. Well, and, you know, I'm not ex exactly sure what screen, the Screen Actors Guild might be asking for when it's it's time for them to renegotiate. True. But it could it could be a situation where this sets a precedent for for SAG, which then sets a new precedent for the writers. And, you know, it's almost like a like a stepladder, you know, bit by bit. All these things will get resolved over the summer and uh, everyone will find equitable deals. Yeah. Or maybe I mean, not. Hope, I don't fucking know. Let's hope so. I think I think that it'll end with deals. I just think it's it'll take a minute, but I think the deals will come. You know, at the end yeah, of the day, I the labor is the most important thing, and I think the studios realize that they can't produce anything with no laborers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think everything. I, I think the writer strike will go on through at least the end of July, maybe past that. And then, you know, once once we're getting close to when when the fall, the the new slate of shows is supposed to air in the fall and there's not really any new shows to air. If it's still going on, then then maybe Hollywood will start to to feel the pressure. But I don't know. Right now, it's just a stalemate. Um, all right. Uh, I know that we said that today was going to be a shorty, me and you, before we started in honor of the Florida Panthers scoring a shorthanded goal. Sure. It's a shorty. Yeah. And then losing um, five so to two. I know we put um, the Apple conference on here. I think we should just wait for it to happen and then talk about it instead of talking about rumors. Yeah, yeah. But if there's anything you want to say quick, yeah. Yeah, just very brief. Uh, basically, Apple is doing their worldwide developers conference uh, today when this airs. And uh, a couple things that are expected is their new virtual reality headset. Uh, I, th I just think that's interesting. We'll see what happens. And there's a, a possibility of the the M2 Max, M2 Ultra being introduced into Mac Studio and possibly even 16-inch MacBook Pros, uh, which will be a, you know another huge boon for video editors uh, who work within that ecosystem. I, I predict there's going to be some AI thing because there's always AI things these days. Oh, like some of course, AI of announcement. course. Another thing we had on the rundown that maybe we'll just save for next week, but it's an NVIDIA, I don't know, Neuralangelo, Neurangelo. I don't know, is that what's called? Neuralangelo. <laughs> Neuralangelo, yeah. Um, that, in a nutshell, an AI model that can generate 3D objects from 2D videos. Maybe we'll try and fuck with it if we can or something or, or do more research on it and then kind of make a deep dive about tech next week or something so we're not fucking stuck in our uh strike pattern again <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's been i don't know it's been, it's been a weird run of shows but i mean but it's uh, a weird time it's a weird time so it is it is um all right 
Uh, let's get to what we learned last week. What we learned last week. All right, Chris, why don't you kick us off? I know that you. All right, you, you want got me to go? A, yeah, you got a great one. Okay, yeah. So uh, last night we went to catch a Stanley Cup Finals game at a a Canadian hockey bar in Chelsea, and I mean it was packed. It was pretty cool, um, and we we kept seeing uh, guys with with hockey sticks and gear coming in throughout, and they just kind of disappear into the back. And I was like, wow, this really is just like a league bar. You know, people just come here after their games. And then one of the guys was walking out and we overheard him talking about there's a rink in the basement of this hockey bar. So I guess they're going down there to play, which is I I never even thought that was a possibility, you know? Yeah, that's really fucking cool. And um, if there was a bar like that for soccer, that had like, I mean, and there kind of are, but they're not like, yeah. What I like about it is that it's not like a hockey rink that has a bar attached. Cause that's what a lot of indoor soccer places are. There's like indoor soccer. Sure. And there happens to be a bar in the place as well. I like that. Yeah. This is like, you don't even know you walk in and it's just a fucking straight up bar. That's all it is. Yeah. You wouldn't even know. It's an, but, if you know, you know, situation. And that's what I think would be sick. If they had like a soccer bar, like banter, if banter in the basement had indoor soccer, Oof, that would be, be game so over. So cool. I'd be there all the time. Um, all right. Yeah, what, that's what really cool. Uh, I learned uh, about a thing called Eye Candy. the The website is a it's a weird spelling. E Y, and then you don't put the second E. So E Y C N D Y dot com. So you drop the A from candy and you drop the second E from I. Very complicated, okay. stupid name. But it's basically a uh, it's an inspiration site. And if you're yeah. a director and you're trying to come up with visual inspo for a variety of things, um, you this is the site for you. Like this literally will help you concept your next shoot uh, like no other. You can pull these. It's got a bunch of GIFs that are um, kind of from a variety of different, you know, uh, projects. And they include everything from animation to force perspective, they they have like uh, silhouettes, slow motion, uh, like time lapse stuff, typography. You basically can either just scroll around almost Pinterest style, or you can click on a thing. So you can click on like a like drone, and it'll give you like some of their most kind of inspirational and, and coolest drone shots, right? Uh, and then you can click on the image. It'll come up. It'll tell you who the director was, what the video or movie it was from, but it's Almost like that one website. Um, what was that? Uh, the sh- shot shot, shot uh-huh. deck. It's almost like shot yeah. deck, but it's free and it's really cool because it's better. It's not just movies. It's like it's like just content, which I know that sounds weird mm-hmm. to say, but you know, after all, what do we make here? You know, we make uh, content, content pieces. Pieces. Content pieces. <laughs> That's our whole thing. Um, this website is 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 a game changer. If you're, especially if you're a director who's been a creative director who has to pitch um, a brand on an idea, or you have to come up with a new way to, to look at something, um, I I really love this. I hope it stays free. If they do a membership, I'll probably pay for it because it is really that yeah. worth it. Yeah, I mean, this is the first time I'm seeing it, and you know, this seems like it'd be great, especially for like commercial directors who are just trying to create 
like a very visually stunning piece. This is such yep. a cool starting point to just kind of get the juices flowing and, and seeing what you can do with your with your concept. It's um it's great because it's it's a great way for people to like learn about new ideas and to get yourself like thinking about the possibilities of how you can approach a piece. Um, and yeah, I mean, like I said, it's just great for like, for, for decks. Like you can just pull these gifts, put them in your deck oh, yeah. and communicate to the client or to whoever you're trying to pitch to what the vibe is going to be of, of this. Um, and there, there's probably close to a hundred categories of different types of shots. Yeah. It's uh, so it says it's a database of over 5,000 gifts representing the very best visual techniques in the world of filmmaking. Um, I mean, this is it's really, really fucking amazing. Like shout out to the person who who made this. Um, it's someone named uh, according to this, it's someone named Jacoby. And um, one of the FAQs says, are you filthy rich from this? And he said, nope. In fact, I'm losing thirty three dollars a month on this website. So it's turned out to be a pretty <laughs> shitty investment, but it's not about making money. It's about not gatekeeping and giving creatives a better way to source creativity and inspiration for their ideas. Also, not oh, charging for this website means I care less about typos. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, thanks, Jacoby. You're doing great work. Maybe, maybe oh, we'll uh, donate thirty three dollars to you. Yeah, well, d yeah. If you guys want to donate money, I don't know. Figure out how to just go to the website. You can find Jacoby. I'm sure. But we should, um, we should ask Jacoby to come on the show. Yeah, why not? Sick. Yeah, maybe I'll maybe I'll email Jacoby. Summer of sizzle. Summer of sizzle. Jacoby July, four in a row. <laughs> Um, all right, Chris, where can the people find us before we dip for the day? Oh, uh, we are at Scissor Real Gang on Twitter and Instagram. We are Scissor Real Gang at gmail.com. Send us an email. We have Scissor Real Gang, the website.com. Keep checking, keep refreshing, keep browsing for information regarding uh, episode 150. And of course, we have the Scissor Real Cold Line. That is 332. Perfect. These are even better. I, I think you're doing it on purpose now. I'm really sort of am. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Sizzlers. Thank you for sizzling with us. That's 140 in the can, and we'll see you next week. Uh, bye. See ya. Shishkin Productions Podcast.